Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 322. My name is John Morgan. Cole Coffee is not with me this week. No, sir. My man Cole Coffee is back home in Las Vegas enjoying himself, hopefully on this wonderful Thursday evening. Meanwhile, I am coming to you from Philadelphia, PA. That's right. Headed out to Philly, the city of brotherly love. Gave a little teaser if you were watching the press conference last week in the uh, the UFC show. Gave a little quick mention to Paul Felder to see if he was going to be out here this weekend. Supposedly, he is. Uh, my understanding is he lives right down the road from where we are right now, about 10, 15 minutes uh, from where we are at this moment, which is the Philadelphia Marriott Old City, serving as host hotel this week for CFFC 96 and CFFC 97. So, you know how it goes. No UFC this week. No Bellator this week. Doesn't mean there's no MMA this week. Hell no. We got CFFC. And fortunately, I am on the call for that. Me and my man CM Punk will be on UFC Fight Pass. So if you can tune in Friday night, Saturday night, certainly would appreciate it. In the meantime, it's late Thursday night as I sit down to record this episode of the podcast. I was able to secure a little bit of a award-winning Pass Blue Ribbon. Let's go ahead and give a little, give a little, ah, oh, that's right. Going to be rolling solo in here in the hotel room tonight, but we got our, our, our good buddy, Pass Blue Ribbon. I got a little hustled. I'm not going to lie. I got a little hustled. I was a little, I was a little frustrated to start my evening. Uh, flew, flew in direct, which is nice. Obviously the, the Vegas to Philly direct, not too bad. Got the upgrade. Can't complain there. American Airlines came through, got the upgrade. So got to sit in first class. That was nice. Makes the direct flight all that much easier. Uh, had a couple of cocktails on the way. And then uh, was taking my Uber, and I thought, you know what? I don't know what's open around here. Let me see if I can get a little Let me see if I can get a little frosty beverages delivered to the room for the podcast tonight. So I used uh, a little service called Quick Sip. Quick Sip was the, the, the uh, delivery service available here. Um, <laughs> now, I will say this. I felt a little frustrated at first. Because I ordered, you know, a little bit of award-winning past blue ribbon to be delivered, and it said we'll deliver it in one hour. It'll take one hour, and I was like, you know what? One hour's not bad. That'll. Uh, I actually ordered it before I even checked in the hotel while I was in my Uber. That's the type of convenience we're talking about here. While I was in my Uber here, I went ahead and ordered my frosty beverages. And I thought, well, that'll give me a chance to to check in, drop my gear, you know, unpack my clothes, I, you know, get everything ready. And then, you know, a few minutes later, I'll be there. So uh, one hour goes by. I'm, I'm unpacked. Timing's worked out great. I go down. I, I had ordered it at 8 p.m. local. At 8.49 p.m., I get, I, get, I get a text. I said, oh, good. Oh, good. My frosty beverage is on the way. But here's the text. Quick sip here. Your order is on its way. We're going as quickly as we can, and you can expect to, you can expect to see us within 15 to 90 minutes. 15 to 90 minutes? What kind of a what, what kind of a time range is that? 15 to 90 minutes. 15 minutes to an hour and a half. And uh, I'm sure I can already, uh, you can already figure out exactly, like I don't, I'm not spoiling it for you if I tell you that it took an hour and a half. Like, <laughs> so it took two and a half hours. 
it says it's going to be an hour delivery, and it ends up being a two-and-a-half-hour delivery. So I was a little bit frustrated. I'm not going to lie. I was a little, uh, a little frustrating, a little unnerving, a little, uh, you know, I was a little angry. I was There was some, some probably passive-aggressive Morgan was coming out as I was hanging out in the lobby, waiting on my beer to be delivered. But in the meantime, uh, I got to see the CFFC crew, which is cool. I didn't even know they were around, to be honest. A lot of them I didn't think would be here tonight. But uh, CM Punk came in. He usually flies in day of the show, but there were some flight issues. So he actually flew in uh, a day early. So I got to, to chat with him a little bit. Rob and, and Jason, who are the guys that, that run things behind the scenes, uh, they had just gone up to Atlantic City to kind of check out Atlantic City. We're, we're talking about doing some shows there later this year. And uh, and they just made it back. So anyway, got to have a little kind of a fun reunion in the lobby, and uh, and that was fun, man. I, I think that's tonight really reminded me what we've missed so much about the last year of mixed martial arts, man. It's uh, it's the social aspect of it, you know. Like we love the sport, man. We really, really love the sport. Of course, like if you're listening to this podcast, I know you love the sport of mixed martial arts. I know you love to watch fights like we all love breaking down fights and just see but man there's a community built around it too right i mean it's it's hanging out with your friends and and watching fights you know it's you know you know back in houston you know getting to hang out with the with the crew that we did there was so much fun it's that's a huge part of it right that's a huge part of why we why we love this i think i mean i think it's a huge part of why it's been such a huge part of my life is is the, the the cool people that are involved in it, man. Like, man, there's nothing better than, than uh, you know, meeting fans of the sport. And, you know, first thing you do is, oh, I love your work at MMA Junkier. I love the podcast. So, like, right away, cool, man. Like, you know what I do. That's awesome. And then we just start talking. What about this fight? What about this fighter? What about, oh, man, what did you think about this? And we all love that same thing, you know. And, man, we haven't had that for the last year. That's what COVID has, has, has cost us was that opportunity to hang out and, and uh, yeah, man, we weren't able to do that recently. So this was the first time with my CFSC crew that we've actually got to sit down and just hang out and uh, and talk a little bit. So so it was fun, man. So I was I was I was upset, I was frustrated, and then uh, we all got to hang out and see some buddies and, and talk some MMA. And suddenly it's better. Suddenly it's better. And now come back to the room with my frosty beverages. I might add. And get to do the podcast. Get to the May Road Show. Uh, wish my boy Cole Coffee was here with me, but uh, I'm sure he he enjoys a week away where he gets to just hang out and produce this bad boy and, and, and put it up. So no UFC, no Bellator, uh, but uh, I'll throw it out there again. CFFC 96 and CFFC 97 over the next two nights. Uh, if you get a chance to uh, to watch, please do. I think I think we got some good shows. Uh, we always have a good time. I'm, I'm telling you. I mean, obviously I'm biased because I work for the company, but I think CFFC. Is, is truly one of the best productions on Fight Pass right now, man. They do such a fantastic show. Um, and, and I know that sounds terrible because I'm, like, part of it. <laughs> it sounds like I'm just bragging. Uh, but, no, it's it's uh, I'm probably the worst part of the show. <laughs> the rest of it's good. Um, Friday night, if you're able to tune in Friday night, uh, heavyweight champ Jamel Jones puts his title on the line against Rakeem Cleveland. Jamel, which is kind of funny, I actually ran to Jamel Jones downstairs as well, and we were just kind of shooting the shooting the shit with him for a little bit. He's such a good dude, man. Just a a uh, a fun guy that's uh, you know had a chance to get on the contender series, um, did not work out for him, and uh, has decided to make the move up to heavyweight. Since he's done so, two you know it, it's worked out well. Four and one at heavyweight. Um, he's got two 
back-to-back first-round knockouts, and now he's the heavyweight champion. He's putting his belt on the line for the first time against Rakim Cleveland, who has been around the game forever. This man's story is amazing. He was in the PFL most recently. The draw of fighters he got in the PFL is insane. Uh, Maxim Grisham, Vinny Magalesh, Victor Nimkov, and Vinny Magalesh. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you're trying to plot a way through the PFL's heavyweight division, the, the, or light heavyweight division, I should say, uh, that you could get one any worse than that. But anyway, he's doing the same thing. So both these guys are former light heavyweight contenders. They're moving up to heavyweight as well. Rakim Cleveland has actually fought a heavyweight. Um, I, I didn't get to talk about him this directly. I, I, you know how old, you know, old fight records, you never know if they're accurate or not, but if you want to go by sure dog or, or, you know, wherever else record you want to go, his first fight, first professional fight was against Derek Lewis. <laughs> Fought Derek Lewis out on the, on the Texas regional scene. Um, and then by the way, got a rematch in his fourth professional fight. That tells me a lot about the character of this kid right here. So, um, I'm interested to see what Rakim Cleveland can, can bring to the table. Uh, you know, more of a, a a natural striker, whereas despite the back-to-back knockouts, Jamel Jones is uh, a wrestler at heart. You know, he grew up in the wrestling game, so that's that's where his base lies. Uh, I, I would think that despite the fact that he has back, back, back-to-back knockouts, Jones is going to want to try to wrestle and try to try, try to bring this in the ground, set up some ground up pound there, and try to win the fight there. Now. King Cleveland, we'll see if he can get in his head a little bit. He's been saying, hey, are you man enough? If you're man enough, let's stand and trade. So uh, we'll see. But, I mean, for Cleveland, it's it's one thing to get paired up with Derek Lewis in your first professional fight. Uh, it's another thing to come back and say, I want that rematch 13 months later, which I believe was the difference between fight number one and fight number four in his professional career. So um, excited to see that one, to say the least. So that's our main event on Friday night. Uh, Yohei Rojas against Eddie Torres is the co-main event. Eddie Torres. Um, all action. This dude is is. I mean, just he's got like some capoeira skills, some wrestling skills, some. Beach, I mean, he's got the whole thing, but he's always looking to finish the fight. He's got submissions. He's got knockouts. Uh, he's just he, he's always looking to be exciting, and he's always looking to finish the fight. So, um, but he, he's a little bit older. He's not a young prospect. He's in his thirties, and so you know, I think he's three and zero at this point. In his 30s, which is not a bad thing, but it's, if, if you're going to get to the next level, you got to go. So that's kind of where he stands right now. So um, a couple of debuts on there. I mean, there's so much talent up here. Uh, we got a women's fight uh, with Laura Gallardo and, and Helen Peralta, who uh, have both fought for Invicta. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a good show. It's going to be a, a real good show Friday night. And then, of course, uh, we'll follow things back up on Saturday night. I love the back-to-backs. We get to do them, ba- we get to do them back-to-back two nights in a row. Uh, but strawweight champ Elise Reed puts her title on the line against Hillary Rose, who was a Dana White's Contender Series product as well. Elise Reed just 3-0, but she has fought some legit talent as well uh, early in her career. Um, if you saw her, she, she won the title against Jasmine Jazzabivicious, who's a, who's a very, very talented prospect, who's actually already signed to fight for Contender Series this fall in September. So, you know, the woman she already beat has a has a has a contender series berth and she doesn't. So um she certainly won in one of those. And then in in her first title defense back in uh December, she was able to beat Jillian DeCourcy, who's an Invicta vet as well. Really, really interesting fight there and a completely different stylistic opponent um than Jasmine Jazzadivicious was. So um really, really interesting run for her. So that's gonna be our main event on Saturday night at CFSC ninety eight. 
uh, seven. And then, uh, again, just top prospects all the way up and down. In fact, even on our prelims, the prelims we always stream on Facebook. But it was funny. We were having some conversation tonight about some guys um, that look to be just just ready to go already in the, in the, in the, in the amateur ranks, you know. And I, I love that, man. I love getting a chance to to, uh, to do all that. So, anyway, that's CFFC. So, if you thought there was no MMA on this weekend, there is. Tune in to USC Fight Pass, and you can check that out. And I certainly would appreciate it. Now, as far as what's going on in the the major world, if you will, a couple things I want to talk about real quick. Um, this Richard Schaefer signing on with John Jones situation and where that puts us and what that means for the matchups that are happening. I'm really, really intrigued by this story. I think a lot of people are covering it, and it seems to be a pretty positive feel overall. And I think it is a good thing, right? I mean, John Jones has been having trouble negotiating with Dana White, negotiating with Hunter Campbell, negotiating with the UFC, getting this major deal signed, right? He wants to go to heavyweight. He wants to fight for the heavyweight title. And especially now that it's Francis Naganu. I mean, how how amazing is that, right? I mean, I've said it before. It's the easiest sell on the face of the planet. I mean, Francis Naganu. You don't have to know anything about fighting to look at that guy and just go, okay, this dude is scary. This is amazing. This is this is a Mike Tyson like guy that I want to watch fight, right? And, that, and that's just that's just visually looking at the guy, right? Then you put his highlight reel on and you go, okay, I mean, that's the easiest sell ever, right? Meanwhile, John Jones, potentially the greatest of all time, and I know there's a lot of people that. Don't like the guy personally um, that will point to the failed drug test that will say that there's reasons that he shouldn't be considered the greatest of all time. And I understand them. And, and they're, they're fair arguments. Like, if you want to sit here and tell me about why he's not, I can't, even though I have debated with people in the past, <laughs> truthfully, I can't argue with you. I understand the criticisms. I really, really do. But to me, John Jones, greatest of all time. Greatest of all time. He is. So if you're taking the hardest hitter of all time, the scariest dude of all time, putting him against the greatest of all time, man, that's just that's that's just easy to sell, right? I mean, that's just easy to sell. So it would be a huge, huge fight. But there's barriers. And, of course, John Jones has said, look, he wants this money and he wants it up front. That's problematic. So, anyway, bring in Richard Schaefer, former CEO of Golden Boy, um, helped – Build an amazing company there. Helped sell a ton of pay-per-views. Helped put a lot, a lot of big fights together. Now he's getting involved in the, in the MMA game. Now Dana White has already come out. I think it was an interview with Kevin Ioli, if I remember right, um, where he said, like, hey, I respect this guy. I like Richard Schaefer. I like this guy a lot. And so that seems like a positive thing, right? It really does seem like a positive thing. And, and I think it is. I think it is overall. But i got to say, I, I have a little bit of concern here. I have a little bit of concern here. Now, First of all, I'll point you to, if you don't know who Richard Schaefer is, and you, um, I don't know, which is completely understandable, of course, because even in boxing, I mean, he's a guy that kind of stays behind the scenes a little bit. Um, but he did a great interview on SiriusXM uh, Fight Nation, and I shouldn't say just, you know, he did a great interview. It was R.J. Clifford and Dean Thomas who are hosting the show, and I thought they did a great job of asking questions and, and just asking the right questions and getting, you know, getting the answers that mattered and that sort of thing. Um, and there were some things that I really, really liked about it. First of all, one of the things that Richard came out right away and, and, and said was the importance of doing deals behind the scenes, right? 
the importance of, you know, not doing deals on social media, like not going back and forth. And, you know, that's what we've talked about from the beginning, right? In this entire situation with John Jones trying to get the money he wants and trying to get the deal he wants, um, there's a way to do it. And, and, and I understand that, you know, you want to go out there and maybe you want to get the public on your side. Maybe you want to get the fans by. And there's something to be said for that, right? I mean, there is something to be said for, you know, get the fans just hammering the USC. Get the fans just hammering Dana White to get these deals done. To, 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 to put public pressure, basically, by getting the fans on your side. But, man, I'm telling you right now, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Dana White has the biggest megaphone of all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he can literally get on any show in front of any person at any time he wants. And 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 he will sway that court of a public opinion right back in the opposite direction. And never forget, like it or not, I mean, Dana has all the knowledge. He has all the facts. He has all the numbers. He has all the history, you know. He can start bringing it up, you know. If you if if you want to if you want to go in the in in the, in the court of public opinion, and you want to lay out there, I'm John Jones. I'm the greatest of all time. You want me to move the heavyweight. You want me to fight the scariest human being on the face of the planet. I deserve to make this amount of money. Uh, you know, thirty million dollars, whatever the case may be. I deserve to make that money because look at what you're asking me to do. I have the legacy, but you're asking me to face this. And everybody goes, yeah, 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 no. Well, hell yeah, that makes sense. That makes total sense. He deserves it. But then Dana, who doesn't ever talk about numbers, who doesn't ever talk about business, whoever doesn't ever talk about, can selectively drop any knowledge he wants. He can come out and be like, John, appreciate what you're saying, but your last pay-per-view sold this, and then the one before sold that, and the one before sold this. So we don't make that kind of money. How can you – he can turn it all against you. So doing these little battles in public, it doesn't serve any good. And Richard Schaefer said, we're not going to do that. This is not how you do deals. In fact, I even loved it. He said, you're not going to hear from me again until I'm telling you the deal is done. RJ Clifford asked him, you know, when's the meeting? He said, I'm not going to tell you that because it doesn't matter. I'm going to have the meeting, and you're not going to hear from me again until we're saying the fight is done. So maybe we have one phone call. Maybe we have one meeting. Maybe we have ten. You're not going to hear from me until the deal is done. And I'm telling you right now, that is the way you get deals done with the UFC and with Dana White and with that executive team. That's how you get deals done. So I'm excited about that. I think that makes a lot, a lot, a lot of sense. All right. This is uh, this is the this is the right approach. This is the right way to do things. Now, here's the part that scares me. If you go listen to the same interview. Richard Shaver talks about the reason he thinks he can get the deal done right and he can get the right price is that he understands the pay-per-view business than anybody else, better than anybody else. And he understands all the revenue streams and where all the money comes from and all that. Now, here's where it gets interesting. So if he's talking about he knows the revenue streams in terms of I know that some of my pay-per-views come domestically, some of them come internationally, some of them come commercially, some of them come digitally, and I know what percentage we can expect, and I know what type of profit percentage there is on each each of those. Okay, that all makes sense. That all makes sense. And he's right. That's smart. But if he's talking about like, well, I know that there's revenue coming in from the gate, and I know there's revenue coming in from concessions, and I know there's revenue coming in from 
whatever else, that scares me a little bit. That scares me a little bit because if he's coming into this with the boxing model, which is completely understandable, that's where he came from. That's his background. Why wouldn't he come in with the boxing model? He doesn't understand the MMA model. And, and I'm not, he's a smart guy by all, by all accounts, a super smart guy, a super great businessman. So it's, I'm not saying he can't learn the MMA side, but if he's coming in from the boxing side and he's expecting that business model, ah, that scares me a little bit. That scares me a little bit. So now I get a little pause. So it seems like all the coverage to this point has been like, oh, cool. John Jones signed Schaefer. Boom, done. We about to get, we, we we're about to get this fight done. In fact, you know, we we I've heard a lot of people that seem to make it think that they can get it done uh, before the Derek Lewis fight. You know, the Derek Lewis fight that appears to be happening in August appears to be going back to to Houston, Texas. It sounds like I've heard people say, "Well, well, maybe they can get this John Jones fight done in between." Which, if they can, I love me some Derek Lewis, but. Yeah, yeah. I'll be honest. I'd rather see, I'd rather see John Jones take on Francis Ngannou than I would see Derek Lewis get his rematch with Francis Ngannou. Now, and I've said there's no way Lewis and Ngannou goes the same the second time around. There's no way that fight sucks again. There's just no way. But it doesn't mean as much, right? I mean, John Jones going up to heavyweight and facing Francis Ngannou—that means a lot. So if they can get it done, I mean, I hate to hear that for Derek Lewis. I'm sure he wants that big that big paycheck. And he deserves it because we all like I mean, who doesn't like Derek Lewis? We all do. But in terms of historic moments, big blockbuster matchups, things that we'll, we'll remember for the rest of our lives, yeah, John Jones going up to heavyweight. That solves that. So, okay. It could happen. We got Richard Schaefer in there. He's got a good relationship with Dana. He understands everything. That's positive. That's positive. That's positive. Okay, now we're talking about other lines of revenue. <laughs> Look, I just don't think you go in there with a ton of leverage, essentially, right? I don't think you go in there with a ton of leverage. The UFC has already said they're going to move on. They're going to keep going. We've already heard it. Dana White has already said it. Hey, if he doesn't want to fight, that's on him. He sounds awfully sincere when he says it. So that scares me a little bit. What leverage does Richard Schaefer have when he walks into the office? None. None. I mean, he's got a good working relationship with Dana White, so that's important. And it sounds like he wants to get the job done. Again, go listen. Seriously, if you haven't heard this interview, go listen to it on SiriusXM. It's a, it's a good interview. I think it's very insightful, very honest, very open. And, again, I think RJ Clifford and Dean Thomas did a great job. But I'm just – I'm a little down the middle. So, knowing that I'm down the middle, I'll give you this one too. I'm sure you saw the tweet that came out. Um, his whole thing about he's giving birth to something special, to something different. <sighs> Was that just his career that he's talking about? Or is he talking about, this is out there, this is out there. But the first thing I thought of when he said that was, is he talking union? Is he talking association? Is he talking a different pay structure, a different a different something? I don't know. And I've always said this. I, I think it's hard 
to think about the idea of associations or unions or whatever it may be, you know, whatever type of formal alliance among labor you want to talk about. I think it's incredibly tough to do in the MMA space because everybody has different needs, right? Like John Jones can sit out. He can wait. He can hang out. And and he can sit on the sideline for years. He can go through a lengthy battle and still be in decent enough demand that people want to see him fight. Other fighters can't do that. There's just different unique situations. Right? It's hard to get everybody on the same page. So, um, I don't know. I did think, is, is he talking union? Is he talking association? Is he talking about giving birth to something bigger than his own career? But, I don't know. I mean, I don't mean to be disrespectful to John Jones whatsoever, but... I mean, does he seem like the kind of guy that's looking out for everybody else? Or does he seem like the kind of guy that's looking out for himself? But you think about the fact that his brothers play in the NFL. Or they do have a strong union. Or they do have a strong association, right? Or they do have collective bargaining. Or they do have all these things that just aren't in the MMA space. And John finds himself in a very unique position in the fact that he's a huge star. He's hugely in demand. He can afford to sit out and wait through this because it won't be a short process. And then, I, and, and then I go back to what's, what's Richard Schaefer's motivation. The guy coming from the boxing world. The guy that's seen the different model. The guy that's seen how it works on the outside. Does he really just want to come in here and negotiate a deal for John Jones under the current structure? Or is he talking about changing the game? Are these two guys coming together, both of whom are wealthy, both of whom are in no rush, both of whom can sit on the sidelines and let it all play out, are they coming in to change the game? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. On the one hand, it'd be pretty cool. I mean, we'd all like to see fighters get paid better. We'd all like to see, you know, collective bargaining in, in, in situations. I mean, there's so many things that could be done that could be improved in the, in, in the model. I just, I've kind of lost faith that it can ever be done because it's so hard to get everybody on the same page. But when you talk about industry leaders like this that are wealthy, that don't need the money, that can sit out, that have some clout. Maybe they're trying to change the game a little bit. Now here's the flip side to the flip side. What if they're only changing the game for John? (laughs) Then what? You know, from the beginning, I've said, and I truly believe this, I think John Jones can make $30 million for his fight against Francis Ngannou. If that's the figure, and of course that's the figure that's been thrown out there, that's the Deontay Wilder money, blah, 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 blah. We got it. Let's just say $30 million is the ballpark figure. I think he can absolutely make $30 million. I just don't think he can make $30 million up front. I think he's going to have to take it on the back end, as everybody else does. You share in the revenue with the UFC. If he's able to negotiate something, but he only does it for himself... I mean, good on him, but this seems like a moment where maybe some change could get done. I'm just super intrigued by this. I could sit here and talk for an hour about it. I won't because you'd be totally bored by that. I know. 
but I think this is continued discussion worth having. I'm interested to see how this all plays out. I'm not fully convinced that Richard Schaefer representing John Jones means, boom, we're getting in the Ghana fight right away. I'm not. I'm not. I'm optimistic, I guess, is the word. I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic that maybe Richard Schaefer just wants to come in here, boom, boom, clean cut, you know, walk into Dana's office, hey, no, you haven't had the greatest relationship with John Jones. Let's figure this out. Blah, 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 blah. I'd like to see that. I'm just not convinced that's the case. I, I think we might be in for more of a battle than we're than we're thinking about here. So I don't know. Just something I want to th- throw out there. I was considering on the flight over here. And maybe I should be more optimistic, but um I'm not so convinced this is a this is a this is a cut and dry deal. I'm not so convinced this is a cut and try deal. So, we'll see. One of the complicated thing I wanted to mention as well. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to pile on Josh Fabia. I see everybody filing on Josh Fabia. If you've followed the show, if you listen to the show for a long time, I think you know exactly where we stand. Uh, you know our interview that we had with him, you know, more than a year ago. And we we know our position on that. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pile on the guy. Um, but I, I, I am – Incredibly interested to see what this means for Diego in terms of a UFC fight moving forward. Because there's two things at play here. I think not having Fabio involved makes it a lot easier for the UFC to deal with Diego Sanchez. Definitely does. There's no question about that. There's absolutely no question about that. Not having to go through Fabio makes things a lot easier and a lot better. But a couple things at play. Number one, they just paid him for a fight, right? They paid him for a fight that didn't happen, right? Cowboy Cerrone fight was supposed to happen. It didn't fight. It didn't happen. He didn't fight. They paid him the show money. They paid him the win money. They paid him the athlete outfitting money. You know, they paid him pretty much everything they could pay him other than had he secured a bonus that night. So they paid him for all that. Didn't get a fight out of it. And then had to pay another opponent as well, right? So now your 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 fight just became way more expensive than it was supposed to be. That's out of budget. Okay. So if you bring him back in, I mean... This this talk because the the question was and, and again this might have been Kevin Ioli's interview with Dana as well. I, by the way, Dana's doing all these damn Zoom interviews. He's not showing up to the Pulse Fight press conferences. Um, but let it be known. I'm gonna get on that list. I'm getting on that that list of Zoom interviews. I'm gonna <laughs> just know if you're at the UFC office right now. I'm hitting you up. I'm, I got to get on that list because if he's gonna be doing all these interviews, but anyway, I think it was Kevin Ioli as well. And Kevin asked him, well, you know, what does this mean for Diego and. It's the natural question, right? It's the question that is it's clear. Like, what does this mean for Diego? And, and Dana kind of said, ah, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. He did say one thing, and I've said this from the beginning. He said, if Diego wants to call me, he can call me. This whole idea where Fabia and Diego were throwing out this idea that, you know, we're, we're trying to get a meeting with, with Dana, and Dana just won't meet with us. I'm calling bullshit on that right now. I'm sorry, but I'm calling bullshit on that. I know personally how much affinity Dana White and it's it, it looks like I'm it's not like I'm uh sharing things behind the scenes that shouldn't be heard. You've heard him overflow at press conferences and you know, I mean he's talked about it many times over the years. But I'm telling you, based on personal conversations that I've had as well, that's all legit. That's all real. It's not just something he puts on for the cameras or puts on for the press conference. Like he has so much affinity for Everybody on the Ultimate Fighter won. And I literally mean that. 
everybody because he knows how much the Ultimate Fighter 1 meant to where the UFC stands today. And so because of that, he feels a debt of gratitude to everybody on there. Now, does he feel more debt of gratitude to some than others? Of course. You know, there's some names on there that, uh, you know, it's not like he's going out of his way to, to take care of. But Diego, of course, you know, 15 years later was still giving it, giving it all for the company. And he really does have that affinity for Diego Sanchez. So I was happy to hear that, 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 that Dana said that right away. It's like, look, if he wants to have a conversation, we can have a conversation. And I know that to be 100% true, and that's why I've called bullshit on it before. That's not true. So, okay, that's nice. But will they bring him back? Will they give him that retirement fight? In a lot of ways, it does make sense, right? I mean, I, I do know that they don't, they don't really want Diego to go fight somewhere else. And not for the reasons you think. This one is a special case. This one is this one is a special case. A lot of times they don't want people to go fight somewhere else because they don't want you know, they don't want somebody else picking up on the on the popularity, the star that they helped build, right? And that's understandable. You know, we we spent how much money developing this fighter and marketing this fighter and now they're gonna go somewhere else. That's annoying. That's fair. I can tell you right now, based on conversations I've had, that's not what their position is with Diego Sanchez. The position with Diego Sanchez is they're generally concerned for his well-being, okay? And they felt that they were giving him the right type of matchups behind the scenes that weren't that weren't going to get him hurt. Now, <laughs> the one you throw out there is, you know, Michelle Pajeda. What? That's a young, crazy, wild killer. True. But it's a young, crazy, wild killer that we all thought had a suspect wrestling game and we knew had a suspect cardio game, which, oh, by the way, Diego's pretty good at those things. I mean, there aren't easy fights in the UFC. It's just that easy. I mean, you can't say, I'm going to I'm gonna hand, you know, gift you these matchups in the UFC. You can, but there's not an easy way. You can't, there's no cans. It's, it's not like you're building somebody up in the regional scene. You can give somebody favorable matchups. I mean, you know, go through the career of early Conor McGregor, of early Ronda Rousey, where maybe, you know, these stars given certain matchups that seem to be favorable. Yeah. Yeah, probably so. But there's no guarantees. There's never any guarantees in the UFC. So when you look at how Conor McGregor, how Ronda Rousey were built, they were given favorable opportunities. But they still had to deliver on those opportunities. Same thing with Diego Sanchez. You can give him fights that you think will probably be best for him, but you can't give him cans because there are no cans in the UFC. It doesn't exist. You can't just find chump off the streets and put him in there. So, you paid him for this fight. You gave him a lot of money. <laughs> and you got nothing for it. Are you a little angry about that? Are you a little are you a little sour about that? Mm, I could see why you would be. I could see why you would be. Now, you could probably get over that though. Here's a guy that's, you know, g- given his whole life for your company. So you could probably look look over that. But all the stuff that was brought up still exists. The medical concerns, you know, if 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 you were saying coming into this there were concerns about your your long-term brain health, your short-term brain health, your what 
that doesn't go away just because Fabia's away. That stuff's still there. It's still, these are all still conversations that were, that were heard, that were documented, that were put everywhere on the internet, that were put on social media. All those things still exist. They don't go away just because Fabia's gone. So just, ah, oh, that was my old manager. No, 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 no. Because anybody else could pick up on that stuff as well. <sighs> so, if you're Diego Sanchez and you want to come back to the UFC, you're probably going to have to go through a battery of medical tests. Like, more than most. More, more, more than ever seen before, I would even say. You know? Um... You're going to have to to prove to a lot of people that, that your health is there and that there aren't any underlying concerns because you basically painted out that there were. And whether, whether you meant to or not, whether that was on you or not, it got done. And that's, you know, that's something that could prove liability later on. The UFC is going to have to think about that legally. That's just the reality of it. They're going to have to think about it legally. So... Will they bring him back? I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. I do like the idea of it. I mean, put together him and the Cowboy fight again. <laughs> I mean, put that put that back together, right? We don't know who Cowboy should fight either. Put that fight back together. So I like the idea of it, but this idea that, you know, Fabia is out of the mix now, and so it's going to be easy. I'm not so sure about that. I don't think it's that easy. So anyway, those are my thoughts that I had today. I was flying on the plane. There's no fights to talk about. There's no UFC. There's no Bellator. And I thought, you know what? It's a holiday weekend. What do I want to talk about? And those are the things I want to talk about. Hopefully you enjoy hearing about them. <laughs> uh, other than that, again, CFFC 96, CFFC 97, please join us. Tune in to UFC Fight Pass. Watch that. Support us over on patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. Uh, we certainly appreciate that. That's the exclusive home of the NF episodes, which we do after every UFC event, which this is a rare weekend where there's not one of them. It's Memorial Day. Enjoy it. I'll tell you what, man. I had a revelation today. Today was my, my kid's first day out of school. And he was so sad. You know, he was like, he, he kept telling, why do you have to go? It's my first day of summer. Why do you have to go? It's my first day of summer. And I was like, bro. I'll be back, you know, I'll be back in a couple of days, like it's no big deal, you know, and oh, by the way, you know, I bought you season passes for, for, uh, for Wet n Wild today, and you and mom are going to go to Wet n Wild, and man, they went to Wet n Wild today, and he rode on the big one, the, the, the biggest, you know, the big, the biggest slide they have out there, and uh, it was funny, because I asked him if he was going to do it, and, and he said no, and, and uh, he ended up doing it anyway, and, and, and I wasn't there to see it. And I was, I was sad for that. And you know what? I had this realization, you know, because in my head, I thought, well, hey, man, I'm not going to be in town, but I paid for you and your mom to go to Wet n Wild, and that's what I'm doing with this weekend. And you guys will have a great time. And, you know, you, I'm not going to be there, but you guys are going to go have a great time because you're going to get to do something really, really cool. And this may sound silly, but I had the revelation today that for my son, it's not just what he gets to do. Uh, it's what he gets to do with me. And... Uh, I wasn't there for that today, so uh, not to get too sappy and emotional at the end, but that is a realization that I'm 43 years old, and it took me till today to realize is that when it comes to providing for your family, it's not just providing for them financially, um, but it's providing yourself too, and the memories aren't just what your child 
or your loved ones or your significant other gets to do. It's what they get to do with you. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> I did want to share that as well because it's seriously, I think, a lesson that I learned myself today and I think realized for the very first time is that uh, I can work my ass off, man, and I can provide a lot of good things, but I got to provide myself there to be a part of it too. So this holiday weekend, there's no USC, there's no Bellator. Uh, the things that we love are on hold for the weekend except for CFFC. <laughs> so go enjoy that time with your family go do that that thing that you're supposed to do make sure that you're not just providing something for them you're providing something with them i'm gonna try to remember that lesson moving forward not that i'm gonna not be covering mma shows i'm not trying to say that this is still my passion it's still my love i love doing uh what i do for a living but it's just to remember to, to capitalize on that moment when it's available don't put it off to the side so uh hey Hopefully you'll indulge me on that life lesson, talking a little bit of outside MMA. We'll get back to normal next week. I'll be back home with cold coffee. Uh, we're actually booked for Phoenix the week after that, so back on the UFC grind. In the meantime, just enjoy this Memorial Day weekend. Have a great time, and thanks for listening.